It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Say good afternoon to Doug and hello to Mary and to the suite. Steve, do you remember all the names of the, the players in the band? I don't, I don't know if I remember all of them. Andy, Mick, Steve. Yeah. A couple more. I used to play pinball when that song was a hit at the KV Bowl in Maidstone, Saskatchewan. I mean, it should be, you know. National it, landmark. It, well, it should be a museum by now. Boy, I had fun there. All right. Speaking of fun, LT, Ryan Pulak is the guy to get for Nurse. for CC down and Vinny out. Avs took off after the Taze acquisition. Balanced everything out. Nurse has not had an equal partner his entire career. That comes from Hontario Moms. I agree completely. Um, I'd have to look at Pulak as the example, but based on his past that I know of and in spirit, I agree with you. That's a very good choice. Well done by you. Guys, my middle name is a doozy, Bertram. I have an Uncle Arvid as well. Lodzad, I'm glad you called. What? I didn't call. Can you elaborate and tell us why Lagason and Jones are starting defensemen for the Leafs and Avs respectively, but weren't good enough for the Oilers? Well, both of them got shots here, and Jones was, I thought Jones was coming along very well, as was Ethan Bear, but the Oilers, you know, they, they, they wanted to make some moves. They wanted to get Duncan Keith in here, and that's what they did. But I, I think both Jones and Ladgison are going to hang around. Jones probably have a longer career. He's a better skater. Uh, and I think Ethan Bear will as well. The young defensemen, the Oilers have been pretty good with young defensemen over the last decade or so. In 2015, they didn't have a second or a third, and they ended up with Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, and John Marino, two right-handed defensemen in Bear and Marino, and all have gone on to have at least some NHL success. LT, are Kane and Hyman combined 10.5 million the best deal in hockey? I think so. I don't, I'd have to look at it, but I think they are very good. And, you know, health is the issue, but man, they're, they are playing well right now and they are really helping this team. Alan, why didn't you name your kid after me? Thanks, Eddie. I didn't think of it. I think the orders would be wise to trade Fogel for Costin. That comes from a perplexed orders fan. Costin will bring more points for his team. He brings big hitting and toughness. I don't ever notice Fogel or hardly ever notice him. He looks no better than last year. Plus, I think Costin has a better shot than Fogel. Well, you know, you know, Detroit likes him, right? People want me to talk about Corey Perry today. I'm not doing that. We, we did one football guest on this show, previewing Monday Night Football. And people are mad that we weren't talking. I've talked about the orders the whole damn show. And with ro- good that I am, it's a great, great story. They played so well on the weekend. On Friday in Washington and here last night, man, they, they look so good. Now they have to do it more. 
But if, if you are, you know, if you are down about the Oilers, you can you can give that up. You can walk away from that. You can. I'm not saying you can go to you know from from Doomsday Avenue to Sunshine Lollipops and Rainbows Street, but pretty close. They're looking good. Broncos fans don't puff out their chest until we raise the Lombardi from Bronco Nick. I do not know where that comes from. Did we, did I brag on the Eagles at all? No, I don't think so. You're pretty good. All right. Lotan, I guess talking about the Browns is off the table. Only know one other Browns fan. Love the show anyways. Um, let the guy who was dissing you know the show starts at 12 sharp, not 12.15. That's the NHL. <laughs> Dan is still a Browns fan. Well done. A really nice little dismount joke there. I, I enjoyed that. Very clever. Have you ever considered the semicolon? My great-grandfather invented it back in 1902. Semicolons are very effective. I'm loving the M-dash. My, my uh, editor, uh, Israel, I think he has to take, like, if I've got 12 of them in there, he cuts it down to six. Uh, and, and well that he should. I'm just overusing it. I've, I've, I've just fallen in love with the damn thing. And, you know, you can't, it's, it's, if when you, you overuse anything, then it sort of becomes too much. And that's where I am with the M dash. I can live with a little NFL talk. It's the association city crap that the guys on 1260 used to do that I can't stand. Even though there's an NBA team in Canada, football resonates across the country. So does basketball. You Do you like basketball at all? <laughs> yes. Love basketball. Well, Were you asking that facetiously? No, no. I just, like, I, I, because I, like, I will be honest with you. Uh, when, when, like, Dr. J barely got on television when I was young, and I loved the NBA and the ABA. ABA Whenever was it was great. on, I watched. We had right with the strange looking balls and stuff. Oh yeah, loved yeah, it. it. Was great. I've only, obviously only seen highlights in an old game film, but yeah, the ABA was great. It was a D- spectacle. Doctor J was fire. Oh, uh, it was this, incredible. My three time ABA MVP, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And he went to Philly, and they won with him. He did. So. Him and Moses Malone, yeah. one of the most underrated duos in, in yes. NBA history. And Moses Thank Malone, probably the most underrated player in NBA history. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. We can talk basketball all day if you want. I love basketball. Okay. Well, there we go. You're killing it with the order talk. Love it. Did you talk about the new Elk Stadium? I think they need a, a one the size of Clark Park, or used to be called Clark Stadium. But they're not going to get it because, you know, uh, have you ever seen that show like 50 years, 100 years, 200 years after people? 700 years after people, Commonwealth Stadium will be standing. And so they've got to use it because it's a facility that is usable. The community needs it for major events like soccer and Genesis. When the stub of Genesis, as Bruce McCurdy calls it, arrives with three, not four members, you've got to have a big arena. I saw the Rolling Stones there. I saw Genesis there. I would like to see Neil Young there. He could just erupt with that big damn guitar of his and do Powderfinger. I'd love to see that. I'm not one for, you know, bucket lists, but I'd like to see Neil Young with Crazy Horse. One time. Do you have a you have a band you'd like to see? I think 
I'm like again, like if we're hopping in the time machine, it's a lot different. But if there, is there a band I would really love to see now? I think man, that's a good question. Well, take your time. It's no, I know, radio. I know. I'll make it quick. I don't. I think ACDC would be a pretty cool. Oh show. wow, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a cool one. Friend of mine, Vince. One time we were talking about ACDC, and we were drinking. And he said, "ACDC is my guilty pleasure. I will, I will absolutely risk breaking my car speakers when Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap comes on the radio because I love playing it loud. And I think guilty pleasure. You, look, you, it's like the Ramones or any three chord band. You know what you're getting, but ACDC is just fun. They just are." It's like Kiss, you know. I mean, can you listen to Kiss and not enjoy yourself? No, it's the best. Yeah, it is the best music for any mood. I always say. I mean, it may be Christine sixteen, but other than that, it's all good. You know, shout it out loud. I was made for loving you. The disco version's fantastic. That's one thing I always kind of jam in there because Kiss fans don't like to talk about the disco song they did, "Hard Luck Woman." Beth. Love Gun. Try oh, not having a Doc. great time while you're listening to Love Gun. Detroit Rock City. Well, Love Gun is a beautiful song. Touching and tender. Detroit Rock City is my favorite, but Strutter as well, right up yeah, there. There you Ooh, go. Great stuff. And I always mention Ace Frehley's New York Group because it's a great song, too. Now, did you see the text that came in that was a blockbuster trade between the uh, the oil and the Leafs? No. Okay, it's 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 from perplexed Euler fan, okay. friend of the show, but mm-hmm. it's a big one. Okay, go for it. What? Okay, I'll, I'll I'll toss it to you. But it's so it's Drysidle, Nurse, and he's worked out all the money. He's worked okay. out all the money. Okay, Drysidle, Nurse, McLeod, Campbell, four, Nylander, Riley, Samsonov, and Tavares with four point one million retained for two years. So it's it's Drysidle, Nurse, Campbell, McLeod for Nylander, Riley. Samsonov and John Tavares. I don't. No. no I, if I knew Leon wasn't going to sign, then then we could talk. But the Tavares contract, how many years does it have left? I'm not sure how many years it has left, but he has them retaining 4.1 for two years. Oh, then it's two years because they would have to retain it. For the duration of the salary? Yeah. By the way, former uh, Bakersfield Condor Justin Bailey has signed with uh, San Jose. So I, I'd have to look at that trade. Riley, I like a lot. I like Morgan Riley a lot. He signed for a long time at 7.5, though. Tavares, um, he's a lot. It's $11 million, so you're still paying 7 I don't like trading Nurse, and I don't like trading Dreisaitl, most of all. I would not do that deal. Well, Smitty just hit us with a what a disgusting trade proposal, question mark, question mark, in all caps. So okay, I think well, we know where Oilers Nation stands <laughs> on this. I, I just, I can't, like, I can't. If Leon isn't going to sign, then I think then you have to protect the house. But and until I, he does, until he says, no, I'm not coming back, or I want to wait, man... I think you just go all in and try to sign him. And I think there was an, un- like, I mean, it wasn't explicitly stated, but I think there was an underlying implication that was the case in this scenario. No. I don't like it. Okay, then that's it. Done. On to the next. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like to trade in Leon. 
Craig Button is predicting McDavid will lead the NHL in points by game 50. What do you think? I, I can't bet. I never bet against McDavid. Have you seen what he's done the last two games? And he's like toying. That poor kid, J- Jackson Lacombe, I mean, he might be, he might be working at Independent Dairies in Lacombe next summer. Holy mackerel, that poor guy. Boy, people don't like that trade. Neil Young is a terrible singer. Love your show from Attica. He's so bad, it's good. Look out, Mama. There's a white boat coming up the river. Big red beacon and a man on the rail. Don't look like he's here to deliver the mail. If you have a chance to trade Nurse, please, God. No, wait a minute. You know, Nurse just had a brilliant game. Several headman passes. One might be the best I've ever seen. Surely we can we can spend one day not hammering Darnell Nurse. I, th- I think this would be the day. What is the line for keeping or trading Leon? I think he's checked out. What the hell is going on with people? Listening earlier today, you talked about the Supremes. I was a two-stepper who loves country, but it's hard to beat Motown music. It's incredible and timeless. It really is. It really is. Where Did I Love Go? And My Girl and Anything by Smokey um, and Stevie Wonder and, oh, Marvin Gaye. Just endless, wonderful music. Even their secondary, you know, singers were great. They had a they had a band called The Contours. And they had a song called Do You Love Me. Great song. Wonderful stuff. Mm. Been critical of Nurse in the past, but if he plays like he did yesterday, I'll be pleased. He played very well. One day, Nurse will be doing plywood commercials. Yeah, that's the way it works. Now that, uh, what the hell was the name of that company? Skyreach doesn't do commercials. I remember Devin doing Skyreach commercial. I mean, it was, it was, what are you going to do, right? You know, he was very popular at the time. It was not, you know, going to win awards, but it was effective. I loved those commercials. I loved Wilkie and Wes and the carpet world. Hey, well, and you know that there was a script and you know they did not read the script. And that was the commercial. That's right, Wes. Man, good stuff. Oh, he said who would win the trade. So he wasn't recommending the trade. Tell that texter that if you trade with Iserman, you've definitely lost the trade. Boy, Detroit looks good right now. That, as recently as this fall, people were talking about Iserman failing miserably. How the turns have tabled. All right. So the next two segments are full, full of entertainment. We have Jason Greger on the way. We're going to talk about the orders again. And then we're going to do Mama MMA, where we play an ABBA song and young Declan rips apart 
MMA and talks about kickboxing like it's the second coming. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's Sports 1440. The Lowdown with Low Tide brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. We say hi to Doug and hello to Mary as well today. And we say a hearty hello to our friend Jason Greger. How are you, sir? I'm all right, Al. Yeah, you're uh, you're looking good. Just stop laughing, Al. I can just see it. Like every Monday, it's the worst. It just <laughs> you can see the uh, it's growing out. So it's you not, know uh, gets worse by the day. I'm going to tell you something that is true. It it endears you to people. And just hear me out. So, so you're a smart guy. You've been on the radio a long time, well respected in the community. All of those things. This is this shows a, a, just a little humanity, and that's why it's good for you, and that's why people like it. Wow. And you, you you manned up. You didn't back down on the on the bet. Yeah. Wow. That's well, bet Welchie now is like at the top of the list of, uh, of things that. Uh, you know, you don't ever do in life. No. And so, um, you know, it's, it's funny. My son, uh, my son's like nine and I think he can bet on everything. Like, oh, and so, um, it's like he wants to bet on this or that and stuff. And so him and I had a, a, a we make a fun wager. Obviously, it's never for money. He's nine. But he now has to wash the dishes for two days. He's uh, he's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good. That's a oh good yeah, no, it's yeah. great. It's yeah. great. So um, uh, he was home, and so when he lost, I just sent a, a note to my wife and just put a gif of a guy washing dishes like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I'm chirping my old son, which is unbelievable. I well, you know, you get there. Believe me, wait till they're teenagers. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, in Washington, they played well. And they played very well again. I feel back for Jackson Lacombe. He had quite the night against McDavid. But the Oilers are playing well, and they're firing on all cylinders. And that Darnell Nurse headman pass might be the best I've ever seen of that type. Yeah, well, uh, Cam Fowler of Dash 5. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Cam Fowler and Lacombe, man, you look at that blue line, and um, you know you got Fowler and Gudis, but after that, it is... No. Uh, it's pretty rough sledding. You know, the Ducks got off to a good start. I didn't think it was sustainable. You know, I didn't think they'd get pounded six in a row like they have been. And, and you know what? Um, like Stuart Skinner looked shaky in the first five minutes. There's no question about that. Uh, now, the first goal, I don't really give him. The second goal, yeah. it's one where, you know, it's an odd play because you're coming across and now you're kind of caught in the middle, right? Um But after that, Skinner was fine. And really, if you look at their five wins here in their last eight games – They've allowed seven goals in those games, right? So they've, they've, now obviously there's three other games where they gave up a lot. So they're still, they're not where they need to be. But I look at the orders, Al, and it's funny. So I went back through the last, and I have an article. It's probably up right now at Orders Nation, or it's coming in five minutes that talks about, um, the one consistent they've had in each of the last four years, Al, is a stretch of 15 to 20 games where they're awful defensively. Mm-hmm. Awful. And then, for 40 games or 60 games afterwards, they're quite good. You know, and we saw it last year again. So they're capable of it, Al. Um, eventually it would be nice if, you know, you're going to have bad games. You'll give up five or six here or there, but you just can't have it extend to a month yeah. long. That, that'll be like next season maybe for the orders. They avoid a, a month long defensive lapse, but yeah. uh, you know, Connor McDavid's back. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, was he a little bit banged up coming off of a, returning from his injury? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, man, when you consider just go through, roll the tape, once he scored that sharp angle shot one-timer in Florida, yes, everything changed for him. And mm-hmm. it even shows that the greatest player on the planet can maybe grip the stick a little bit tighter, use any analogy you want. Yeah. But confidence plays a factor. You know, he admitted it yesterday that, you know, for the whole team. And 
I don't know how you love numbers, so here's a fun one for you. So at 20 games in, the orders, obviously, it's not very good. They're 7-12-1. Right. They were 10-10 and 10 last year. Five more points. Five more points. Uh, last year, they averaged um, 3.6 goals against per game. Not, uh, not great. Yeah. This year, it's 3.7. Basically the same. Last year, they averaged three. They scored 66 goals in their first 20 games. This year, 66 goals wow. in their first 20 games. And the difference is McDavid and Drysaddle had 11 more goals between the two of them last year. So the Oilers actually they have the same amount of goals. They have 15 goal scorers this year to 12 last year. More goals. Right? They're, yeah. they're actually, it's spread out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, now McDavid and Drysaddle are coming. You knew event like Drysaddle hit a one-timer again. It's like he remembered how to hit a one-timer. Oh. And I look at the orders. You know, they got Vegas third game in four nights, second of a back-to-back. I would assume they're gonna, there's a little extra fire for the team that you know kicked your dream, uh, you know, away from you last year. And then that Winnipeg game will be tough. But then they got a big break. Yep. And they got. Six games like this next segment, this next quarter, if I want to call it that for Edmonton to get him to the 41 game mark. It's crucial because the Edmonton orders of all the teams in the wild card race and even Vancouver, everybody else, they play the most. They play 37 games in the final 73 days of the season. Wow. In the second half, essentially. Right. From from uh, they come in February till the end of the year. They play 37. Other teams are playing 31 to 33. Gotcha. So that, that, you know how it is. I like it. No. It accumulates over time that wear and tear. So I think this next quarter here for the orders is massive. And I, I think the good news, like Anaheim's coming down. Um, look at all the teams out. Like this might be 2015. Yes. Remember yep. when Winnipeg yep. made the, uh, Minnesota was the second wildcard team with 87 points. But the ninth place team had 82. Like yeah. you could have made the playoffs that year with 83 points. And I know that's the low end, but I look at the orders and, a, they're the, they're the most talented team of the wild card chasers right now. I don't By think there's any market. debate on that. Yeah. They weren't playing up to their talent, right. but they're the most talented team. Their best players are now back playing. And, you know, you had mentioned Nurse. It was interesting how Nugent Hopkins said, well, Nurse was the one who called that play. Yeah. Yeah. They came off the faceoff and said, Davis went to me, Nugent, this is where you go. Yeah. And, they don't work perfection. I, but even on his pass to, 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 that sprung McDavid. Right, that was another great outlet pass. So, you know, Darnell Nurse, Al, he get, I get that Darnell Nurse can be frustrated at times. There's no question. But did you know in the last four years, Al, he has the sixth most even strength goals amongst defensemen. He has the ninth most points. Right, he plays the eleventh most minutes. He doesn't get any power play. T- like Quinn Hughes has a hundred more power play points than him, and he's got I think uh, nine more even strength right. points. Yeah, um, I'm gonna give you something that that mildly irritates me online that, that I want to <laughs> mildly that, that that I want to point something out that you said at the end of of the last spring so people create scenarios and then they 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 double down triple down as new events occur and they sort of frame them all as one big issue yeah so there's this sense that the orders are fools for everything and they're unable to do things and this is just like we saw last year and last spring where the goaltending's bad and the defense is bad you said at the time and i remember it because it was it had great clarity 
The Oilers lost two periods, the second period of Game 5 and the second period of Game 6. If they had won those periods, they'd probably be Stanley Cup winners. That's how close that series was. And I think, Jason, people forget that. They forget how close that series really was. Well, it was in Edmonton, like three goals in two and a half minutes. They self-destructed. Now, yep. would you want Stuart Skinner to make the save on the on the third goal from the point shot? 100%, yep. right? So you, you, your goalie needed to make a key save at times. So that's part of your team, no question. But again, they kind of gifted Vegas that. Like, look at game six, the first shift of the game. 25 seconds in, Matias Ekholm comes down. Matias Ekholm, yep. probably maybe their most reliable defender. His pass right in the slot. Boom, Riley won nothing. And you're yep. just like, what? And then Edmonton, to their credit, bounced back. They're, they yep. lead after the first. They dominate the rest of the period. And then in the second, again, they had a bad second period. They gave up three goals. And that's the one trend that, you know, I don't know if it's the long change, whatever it is, but that's something as I watch this team evolve and grow – they need to be better in the second periods on the long change against good teams. You know, nope. beating up Anaheim, beating up the Islanders, Seattle teams that don't score. I'm talking the teams that have offense, and that's where they're going to have to improve. Like, I still believe Edmonton, I would, in an ideal world, Al, I think they need another right shot defender. Yeah. Would Gudis interest you at all? He would, but not at his cap hit, right? right. So that's right. the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there, are a few, there are a few out there that, that intrigue me, for sure. Um, you know, Edmonton does need more consistent goaltending, but I say this all the time. Aiden Hill, no one thought Aiden Hill was going to be a 931 Sabres. None of you, no one, I didn't, nobody. Heck, the Vegas Golden Knights didn't. Otherwise, they wouldn't have started Lauren Brassois <laughs> in the first series. And like, if Lauren Brassois doesn't get injured, maybe the Oilers win that series. Yeah. Hey, you never know because it's not like he was playing lights out and, you know, they were 2-2. They might not have switched their goalie, right? So, yeah. you know, there's lots of, you know, what if scenarios, but the, the Oilers, to me, like their high end skill, when they decide to commit as a team to just playing, I don't, they don't have to be the devils of the nineties, Al. Just don't be Santa Claus and gift easy goals. Yep. And, and if once they can eliminate that, 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 I'm not saying ever, but just reduce it to the point where it's not one every game or one every second game. Yeah. Um, I always look for, for wrinkles and tweaks when a new coach comes in and the, the, the current one I'm looking at, and he mentioned it. Chris Knobloch mentioned it. He asked Mark Stewart to do the penalty kill, to look after the penalty. Yeah. Penalty kill's been much improved. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I asked specifically because they're you know they're eighty nine point seven percent, and I liked. I really like Knobloch so far because he just he answers you honestly. He doesn't give you coach speak, right? He doesn't try to avoid the question, right? And say a lot of words without saying anything. He's like, well, let's be honest, a little bit of luck. Right. And sometimes there's a, a puck like like look at the James Hamlin goal. Yeah. That's a goal that would have went in against the orders the last so the defenseman comes and he blocks the shot nice, but where does the shot go? Right back to the guy, and then the goal is out of position because of course he's playing the initial shot, so that's easy. But the the penalty kill, um, it was funny how you know, I always Knobloch will go out of his way to bring up somebody if you don't even ask, yeah. right? And he talked about, hey, well, it's helped. You know, Yanmar comes in, so it's lessened some of the minutes from your top guys on your on your penalty kill. You're getting more saves, of course, right? Um, now, I did watch last night Anaheim. There was one bad read that they made on the penalty kill, and Anaheim just didn't finish it. I was like, that should have been a goal all day long, yeah. but uh, they, they they missed the net. But overall, like there, I don't, it, I haven't seen like a massive change. I'm just not a big fan, Al. It's a new one in the NHL. It's almost like they do the reverse T, right? They got the two D men down here, and then they have their forwards in a straight yes. line. Yeah. I don't really now maybe because it's new, but I watch and you can expose it so easily if you want with a good shot. I think some teams just rely that they're never going to get beat from the dot. 
But I find that that one, you know, once a team gets you moving, like now Anaheim's penalty kill, obviously maybe not a great example, but look what McDavid did. They get moving in flow. The, to- the guy in the middle cheats over eight inches because you have the puck there and you have to respect him. Boom, back to dry saddle goal. Like no. it's almost impossible to stop. But yeah, their penalty kill is one thing that's improved, as is their goals against. Sure. Right? Their goals yeah. against are better. Well, and Skinner's stopping more pucks, and that helps. But it's the, the, the final question I have you about the orders, and I'm going to ask you a football question, maybe a baseball one if we have time. Um, are they going to play Pickard soon, or are, do you feel like Campbell might get recalled? Where, where are we with the backup goaltender? Well, I don't think he's going to play this week. Right. I think Skinner's going to play Tuesday, Thursday, because then you're off for five days, yeah, okay. right? And then they they play every second day afterwards in December. I think they got a back to back somewhere around like the 18th, 19th. I think it is. So you you can get away with it for now, right? So they're in a spot. Um, you know, they played Pickard the one game. You know, it's probably a one out of five. Right. Kind of thing right now for him, which isn't ideal for Stuart Skinner because eventually that'll, you know, you don't need Stuart Skinner playing 60 games. No. Right. So they'll have to sort out something. I, the Manny legacy thing to me is, is rather head scratch. And when I hear that it was just a gong show in Columbus as a goalie coach there. So, um, so we'll see, you know, if I think it's maybe more mental than anything yeah. else. Right. Yeah. So any little small, well, detail. he's trying to, Campbell's trying to resurrect or, or save his career. Right. Yeah, so you let him do anything. So you're yeah. going to try anything. Yeah. You know, he's down there for a few days. Um, I guess, I guess that throws out, Al, you talk about things online. Everybody's like, well, Sylvain Rodrigue is the answer. I'm like, <laughs> well, I guess he isn't right. Cause they brought in, uh, I'm, I'm joking. Of course. Yeah. Um, I look at guys all work together. It's not like Jack Campbell is going to make some massive technical change here. It might be a small little tweak, like a small little subtle tweak on the penalty kill. Yeah. Maybe they'll make some small change there. Maybe it's between his head, but it's a good question. Al. like they, that's the elephant in the room. Like even if Stuart Skinner comes back and plays well, which he's, you know, his numbers now, I think in his last, whatever it is, eight, seven or eight starts, I think his save percentage is up to nine Oh nine or nine ten. Yeah. The problem is if you look at those games where they didn't get any goals against, they also didn't give up many shots. True. So your save percentage doesn't really increase a lot because most games out when you have 40 shots, you're probably getting 10 of those that are just save percentage, um, easy ones, right? They're from the outside. The team's shooting everywhere, right? You get 20 shots to me. It's quality chances. So Skinner's going to take a long time to get his save percentage back, but it is. I felt. I'll give Skinner credit because the first five minutes, Al, he looked like, oh, my he goodness. He did not look good. But then at, once he made that glove save, he was like, all right, I'm in. And then after that, it was kind yeah. of, But he also didn't get a lot of shots either. No, he didn't. Um, switching gears, I love the Eagles-Bills game. I'm worried about the Bills. They're they're a good team, Dude. but they, they might not. No. They might look at their playoffs. schedule. Yeah, I know. I right? Know. Like... The uh, yeah, Tyre Remchuk, man, is pre- I know he was at that game in Philly. That was a hell of a game. Oh, it was a great, like, it was game. an unbelievable oh. game to watch. And like, what about that kick from Elliott? Are you I kidding know. me? Like a fifty-nine yarder, kind of almost like a line drive. Yeah, uh, in the in the sleet. I don't even know if I would call that rain at that point. And so you know, Hurts is, and it's funny, um, like Jalen Hurts. If you look at that game, like, man, Allen did so many things well, but then he's just, he's interception prone. Yes. And he's got to, right? He's like Kevin Glenn. I remember um, Scout telling me on Kevin Glenn, he'll throw three interceptions a game. It's up to you to catch them. Yeah. Right? And right now, that's kind of what Josh <laughs> Allen's doing. Right? Like, he makes a lot of good throws, but then there's three a game that are like, well, I can intercept this. And if we hold on. Uh, final one, Otani rumored to Dodgers raise Jays. 
Um, but the Jays seem nah. to be in on anything. They, 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 they never I, anything. Like the Jays happens. just like to throw their name in there, Al. Like oh. it's like they're the single person that's like you know they're just swiping right on everybody just to see if they get a bite. <laughs> right? Like come on. So I don't know. I hear the Jays name out there on uh, so many big players. Like oh yeah, we're we're in right. Like yeah, you talk to their agent. Yeah yeah, we're in. Like I don't know. Like t- trust me, it would be unbelievable. No. Like Otani is one of those athletes that you pay to see no. and you'd want to see multiple times if you could. Like, it's, that's a great thing about Otani is some pitcher you go out, you get to see him once, right? Maybe you go for a weekend set of three games, you only get to see him once. We well, get to see Otani every game. Yes. He might yeah. only pitch once, but he'll be hitting the other three. Now, next year, you know, he'll be hitting, probably won't be pitching, but it would be, it would be massive for any team to get this guy. I'm just curious, what, what are they going to pay him? Well, the sky's the limit, right? Like, I don't think, I, I think that, that the, the Dodgers can pay whatever is required. Yeah. Yankees. Um, but I mean, you know, Rogers has a pile of money. Oh, they too. got lots of money. Yeah. Right? I'm wondering how long the deal is going to be as well. well it though. depends on what he wants too, yeah. right? And that would be, um, cause if he, like, he, Otani's not even that old. No, he's not. Right. No. So if you're him, you sign a four-year deal. You've got more than much money you'll ever need. No. You're not going to fall off a cliff in four years. No. You just sign again in four years, and you'd probably get the max deal again for probably. four. That's what the NBA best. Yep. Like, look at the NBA, the best players in the NBA. And if, if how many superstar players have their careers cut short? Because right? people always talk about it. Oh, you got to sign long-term. It's, it's uh, guaranteed money. I'm like, well, we're, talking the, we're not talking the fringe players. The guys who might get 300 games and then they're out. Yeah. We're talking the best of the best. Yeah. And they control their future when they do sh- to sign short term. Yeah. And, and yeah. how many best of the best have we seen in any of the sports have career and injuries here recently? Can you, can you even think of it? Like maybe there's one. I can't think no, of it, I but I'm, I'm really racking my brain when I think of it. It would be a pitcher. Elite players. Yeah. yeah maybe. A, but now yeah. with the, like Tommy John surgery used to mean you're done. Yeah. Now it's like, no, nah, you have Tommy John surgery. You'll be back. No right. big, they don't even second guess it. Even the Nationals pitcher ended up winning a World Series before he had to retire. Um, Strasburg? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a career, like seven, eight years, something like that. It wasn't yeah. like it was nothing or anything like that. Um, are, are you still getting people wondering about the Elks? It seemed to be a story, and then it died out a little bit. And I think what I got out of it was this. They're looking for, it could be like a different kind of ownership, could be multiple owners, but they're looking, and well, I'm not going to say I, I it's... Think it, I think we're going to see a change. Right, like, I think it's fait accompli, right? But here's like, my question, Al, and I've asked a few people, and I've yet to get an answer. Yeah. So let's say they sell for whatever, pick a number, six mil. Right. Where does the six million dollars go? Who gets it? Because well, it's a publicly owned team, yeah, and they don't have any debt. No. So where's the money go? Well, that's a great question. Now, right, I'm trying to find the answer to that. No. Because I've I've had very well. I think it goes here, goes here. Like the board members haven't put any money in, so it's not like that the, they got a loan repayment, so they're not getting it. No. Maybe we could put it into like, the LRT. City of Edmonton. I don't know, no. but it's. I think it's it's a fascinating question on where it goes and and what do they do with that money? And I think, and I've been, I said this Al for for three years. I thought that. The way the Elks were being run the last few years, there there was too many hands in the cookie jar. Too, and I don't care what business you run, when you get too many people with too many different ideals, right. things go sideways. Sure. And and the, when the when the Eskimos were at their best, 
a pretty boring guy named Norm Kimball ran it, and they had a great scout in the States and a great scout in Canada, yeah. and they had a fantastic head coach in Hugh Campbell. And, and it worked. Like, it was three or four guys, and they, but they were all football people. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. when Hugh Campbell ran it, there wasn't... There was, he didn't list... There was a board. The board had no... They didn't, they didn't try to interject. No. Right? And there, there's been... Once you start having too many people trying to get their fingers in the pile, well, we should try this. And, oh, geez, I don't like this person. Oh, I don't like that person. And, like, like look at the hires yeah, I know. they've made. Like, and look at how bad of hires they've been that now they're paying out. Like, the reason they can't get rid of Chris Jones of doing all three jobs is because they got too much money going elsewhere. They can't, you know, and even a new owner. Now, the fact they're not getting rid of Jones, I think, is new ownership. You're not going to get rid of the coach and GM now. No. Hire a new one. And then the new owner comes in and is like, I don't want this guy. Yep. So they'll wait, and then it's going to be up to the new owners. But I, it's just a matter of who's it going to be. Yep. I've been sniffing around. I've, I've, there's a list of names. I've had a few people reach out to me to say, hey, here's somebody you should look at. Here's somebody here. They're, Edmonton has a lot of quiet money. Yep. and But a lot of the people who have quiet money, they don't necessarily want to be public. Right? Like, no. you know, Daryl Cates, there, there's a lot of negatives that can go on by being the, the sports owner in a, in, a, in a rabid sports market like Edmonton. Yep. Right? Like, you're, there are there could be good things though in how you treat it I mm-hmm. think and so has there been some missteps maybe in the how I would say interactions with the community yes I probably would have gone about it different but I'm also not a billionaire so what's coming up on, changes what's coming up on the show well uh, we're going to talk about uh, the parade route uh, order fans are pretty <laughs> excited so uh, Connor was uh, driving around uh, trying to plan that out no I'm kidding but uh, obviously we'll recap the NFL and I noticed a few trends first of all the college bowl games this past weekend unbelievable they were like, great there was a lot of really good sport games to watch there was came right down to the wire were amazing like you see that Alabama game are you kidding me Washington Washington Washington, Washington State won as yeah. well so we'll talk that and um Another trend I'm noticing now in the NFL that I wonder if we could convince someone in the NHL to do it. I'll tell you what it is. Wow. Nice tease. Thank you, Jason Gregory. He's coming up at 2 o'clock. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Oh, love this song. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Can we hear it? So good. You know, it's it's two voices, a really, really great hook, and two guys who never really spoke, but sang every once in a while. How could you how could you go wrong? Do you know that ABBA forward and backward is the same thing? Ooh, whoa. Yeah, doctor. That's crazy. Intellectual. In the biz we call that a palindrome. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't think. I couldn't think of the thing that's in Turkey, and I couldn't think of palindrome. So, so I'm finally providing some value with uh, uh, with words here, because usually I'm the one on the other end of these. So. Okay, well, nice. it is time for you to be the work monkey, and we want you to be because you're brilliant at it. It's Mama MMA, and you're talking any kickboxing today. I know you love it. Yeah, no, I, I love a good kickboxing match. No, I think we're going to keep it pretty uh, pretty streamlined towards okay. MMA. A little bit of boxing thrown in there as well. There was no UFC event this past weekend, but the PFL did have their championship. The PFL, I talked about it in one of the updates a little while ago. They acquired Bellator, and PFL and Bellator 
are, you know, I think for all intents and purposes, second tier organizations compared to the UFC. Even thought of by them. The minor leagues? I, they're not, they're not the minor leagues. They're not the minor leagues, but there's just a, just bluntly, there's a bigger fan base. There's more money behind it. There's better mm-hmm. fighters in the UFC. But there, there are still some very good fighters in the are UFC. Are they building towards something? Can they build towards something with this new conglomeration? Well, I think the idea of the merger is to truly put on a promotion that can compete with the UFC. But the UFC is such an established brand. It's the place where you want to be. When you're a kid growing up playing Canada and hockey, like, I listen, I think the KHL is a great hockey league. A lot of talent there. But if you grow up in Canada or America and may, maybe Europe to some degree, you want to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I think that that's similar for fighters. You want to fight in the UFC. They have the biggest stage. They have the biggest name value. So, you know, but... But they've done a great job. They've done a great job putting this, uh, putting these two these two companies together to try and compete. And I think they're finally assembling a roster that can really be there. And right. to to what I was going to say, the PFL had their championship this week. Olivier Aubin Mercier, who's a Canadian guy, he won his second straight lightweight uh, world title with PFL. Now, for winning this lightweight tournament, you get a million dollars. So this was a guy who was seven and five in the UFC, fringe top fifteen guy, fought some really good opponents, lost to lost to most of them. But he's a guy now who's won two million dollars in the PFL and is a two-time champion in that uh, in that organization. So it's great for him. Ipakasange was another guy. He was maybe on the receiving end of the biggest highlight highlight KO ever. He went. He just won his million dollar paycheck as well. So it's great for these fighters who, if you're a fringe guy in the UFC, I think it's good to go transition to the PFL and have a shot at that million dollar payday. And it, like they put on enjoyable fights, they do it well. They do a lot of produ- they do their production value really well. I think sometimes you'll see these second tier promotions, and there's clearly a step back in in like I said in production value. But I think they do it very well, and they've put on a great show. Boxing this past weekend, David Benavidez knocked out Bubu Andrade, Demetrius Andrade. These guys were fighting for David Benavidez's is a WBC interim super middleweight title. David Benavidez is a very, very good fighter, and he's a very big threat to Canelo. This was a, a fight against a guy who was a long-reigning middleweight champion, was moving up to the uh, super middleweight division. He was undefeated. Demetrius Andrade was. And David Benavidez, they put on a great fight, but Benavidez was clearly the superior fighter. So they're looking forward to him and Canelo Alvarez. I would love to see that one during Seco de Mayo weekend. A couple Mexican fighters throwing down. I think it'd be great. Is that a big... MMA weekend? Well, it's huge for boxing. It's huge for boxing. They always have a guy like Canelo Alvarez fighting on Cinco de Mayo or around that time because I, you know, and in Vegas, I just, it's just such an event. Um, so I would love to see that fight next. UFC coming up this weekend. It's a great card as far as fight nights go. It's going to be headlined by Benil Dariush and Armand Sarukian, who are two incredibly talented lightweight fighters. Fight a relatively similar style. I would say Armand's a little more grappling heavy, even though Benil can definitely hold his own in the grappling department. Benil is probably a little bit more polished with the striking, but it's really good matchmaking. The co-main event is going to be two guys who love to stand and bang, Jalen Turner, Bobby Green. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great uh, UFC card coming up this weekend. It's a fight night. It's going to be free on TV. We can watch it on TSN. No big pay-per-views in the pipeline, not until December 16th, I believe it is. That's going to be UFC 296, but yeah, it's a good time to be a combat sports fan. So when when these events occur, they're, they're pay-per-view? So the UFC numbered cards, if you ever hear me talk about those, I'll talk about UFC 295, UFC 296, UFC 297. Those are pay-per-view cards. The fight nights are generally free and on TV. PFL, they have a couple pay-per-view, pay-per-view events, but they generally do it free on TV as well. The boxing match, it, it, it depends. Sometimes they'll do pay-per-view. Sometimes it'll be just on TV. So if you and Hallie wanted to watch something, you would pay for it, and he'd be coming over to your house with food. Yes. Okay. Yes. Or he'd you know come over foodless and e-transfer me a little bit of the money. All right. What if he didn't do either? 
I'd be okay with it, like, because here's the thing. But this is specific to me because right. I would be watching it anyway. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Like, right, I'm right, like, right, hey, right, I'm right. gonna watch it anyway. If you just want to, you know, if but you just want to come you, over. What if you had like 11 sliders and he ate nine of them? You'd be a little bit upset. Then we're then we're gonna have a conversation, right? Then we're gonna have a then we're gonna have a conversation. Yeah. What if he he brought food, but it wasn't very good food? That's okay because it's the thought that counts, and I don't think he would intentionally bring bad food, so I'm not too mad at that. But here's the one thing Hallie can't come over and do. He can't come over and interrupt. He can't come over and make it an event. We're there to watch fighting. We're not there to hang out and have a good time. We're there to watch fighting. That's first and foremost. So if you're coming over, you bring food if you like, send the each answer if you like, but don't disrupt the fighting. John Short years ago told me a story about he, he and I don't remember the name of the other gentleman, but they were diehard there were Canadian press uh, reporters, and they were diehard baseball fans. And they had a guy in the office who loved baseball, too, but they'd never let him come over to either of their houses to watch the Saturday game. And for years, he would beg them, and and they wouldn't they wouldn't let him. And then finally, one day, they said, okay, fine, bring the beer and don't say anything, and it'll be fine. So they're watching, like, the first inning, and the guy blurts out, is Stan Musial really as good as they say he is? And they said, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so you bring you bring 12 beer and you sit for six minutes and then you're gone because you're big mouth. Not bad. When was the last time you got together or just sat down and watched a big boxing event? Oh, I know. well, it would have been Lampley. Um, yeah, he was a phenomenal commentator. Oh, my best. God, yeah. And it would have been on HBO, yep. and it would have been with uh, one specific friend, I will say the late 90s. Okay, wow. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, once I had kids, I, I there's a few things that I didn't watch on TV, and one of them was boxing. Okay. But I love boxing. Yep. I actually really love, I grew up with boxing. My dad was a fan of boxing. You were an Ali guy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And well, Who the, wasn't? The Frazier-Ali fights. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of Frazier, too. Like, and, and, you know, Foreman and Norton, that whole era. Yep. I've just, I, like, a, lot, a lot of people think Norton won that third fight against yeah, yeah. Ali. Yeah. And he was a great fighter, too. Yep. You know, and then Larry Holmes came in and just won everything. Yep. And then it sort of got boring because Holmes was so good. And then Tyson kind of revived it. But when those, like, it, it, and Ali was constantly, like, not the winner, not, like, not the champion. And sometimes it wasn't that he lost, it just that he, you know, the title wouldn't, he, he wouldn't fight enough and the title would go away. Mm-hmm. But, but all of the fighters that I mentioned in there and a bunch more, uh, Burbick and others, they were great fighters. It was such a good division. The heavyweights in the seventies and late sixties through to the eighties yep. were brilliant. Heavyweight boxing was great for a time. And like you said, when Holmes came over, it got a little bit stale. Did. Um, and then, yep. then after that, Iron Mike t- picked it up. And in the nineties, it was great. There were some great, amazing fighters in the nineties. The Lennox Lewis's, the Riddick Bowes, you know, the Razor Ruddocks, the, the Tysons, the Holyfields, George Foreman making his uh, resurgence. It was yep. a great time for heavyweight boxing. There are a lot of guys like Ray Mercer was struggling, who was a yes. phenomenal boxer, was struggling to hold a share of the heavyweight title then because that's how deep it was. Crazy good. And, and, uh, you know, there are some people in the world who think of George Foreman and think grill, and that's a sad thing. I know. They don't think of him for putting dents in those heavy bags over in <laughs> what was Zaire at the time. All right. So, listen, this has been a great show. I love your MMA. Tomorrow, we've got... Who Who do we have on tomorrow? So, tomorrow, we are going to be joined by... Daniel. Our regular Tuesday contributor, Daniel Nugent Bowman, and I have a sneaking suspicion we will be going to the desert okay. for a Las Vegas guest. Right on. So, thanks so much for tuning in. Jason Greger on the way next time for an update.